When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. everyone and welcome to a brand episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE as we are two weeks away from Night of Champions going down in Saudi Arabia. I'm Keela Cash and by my side as always is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the now main roster bound Von Wagner. I bring to you someone who is usually perky once a month for PLEs, but for today he is especially perky unfortunately at my expense, as his Los Angeles Lakers have advanced to the Western Conference Finals by beating my Golden State Warriors. I begrudgingly congratulate and welcome back to the show two weeks in a row, Perky Scott Young. Hello, Perky. Thank you, Keela. It is absolutely a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE, NBA, GH, whatever you want to talk about. I am here for it. Uh, Real excited for the conversations we're going to have. Real excited to be a part of the Kingsguard. Shout out to the boss, Gigi. Shout out to Gigi. Know he's doing great, right? Probably at a pool party, you know, probably at a pool party. You know, you feel me? But uh, it's, it's going to be a great show. Uh, shout out to the king. You did your thing. It's uh, I'm, I'm here for this. I'm looking, looking forward to it. I, I'm happy for your team. I'm not going to lie. I have to say the Warriors really hit the wall at some point. They got through Sacramento, but the Lakers, I figured, was a tough matchup. But let's shout out the hero besides King James. Austin. Revis. Revis. <laughs> Listen, if there's one thing we know about the king at this point, he stay with a fly white boy. Okay? <laughs> if there is one thing we know about the king, you know, Alex Caruso, he'll yam on you. Ask KD. You know, Kyle Corver, sharpshooter. Kevin Love, <laughs> he a bad boy too. You know what I'm saying? My man stay with a nice white boy on the court. That's just, that's just what he does. He, and, and Reeves is like that. Like, 
he 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 liked that. So yeah, I not only him, a guy I've been bagging on, Schroeder played really well, was a big part of that. Um, so to go from two and ten to the Western Conference Finals, I'm, I'm I'm happy, and I think we got a legit shot to win the title. You do, yes. I shaded his name. I'm sorry, my bad. I'm still bitter right now, but congrats to the Lakers. I will pick them over Denver. I'm being brazen to say they will make the finals. They will. Damn it. But also joining us today is someone who does not care about basketball unless he's placing a bet (laughs) on it. And he's placing the bet on the Lakers. He's doing pretty good right now. I don't know about the Boston Philly series. We'll find out tomorrow. Game seven going down today as we record this show and the results will be in. Hopefully it makes a little bit of bank, but he is an OG member of the Fiking Media family. He has multiple shows across the network, in the clinch, the Dynamite show, and so much more. I bring to you once again the OG Grandpa Des himself, Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Paul. Hey, Keela. Hey, Scott. I uh, I never realized you only need two players to make it to the conference finals. And uh, apparently that's the case in the Western Conference. And I'm hoping that it's the case in the Eastern Conference. Uh, if, if the 76ers can can do it um, tomorrow or I guess yesterday <laughs> as we're recording. Um, and uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, with with, uh, with the beard and um, uh, who's another? Oh, Embiid. Um, and uh, if I'm a if I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan, I, I kind of want to crucify Mark Cuban right now. Uh, you know, who figured, ah, you know what? We don't need to get into that play in, uh, nobody ever advances from the play in. And, and here we got, uh, the heat in the finals and the Lakers in the finals. And, uh, yeah. And, and uh, the Mavs, you know, going to get the number 11 draft pick. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it, it's a weird year in the NBA. And, uh, I, I remember, you know, being on this show and whatever, I think it was like around Christmas or maybe just after. And, you know, the Lakers and the Warriors were both like five, six games under 500 and, you know, not even going to make the play in. And now the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals. So congratulations, Scott. And uh, hopefully the King picks up another uh, ring and uh, he can hold on a couple more years till Bronny makes it to the <laughs> to the show. Yeah, that's the plan, you know, and uh, what, a little interesting tidbit if the Celtics win this series, all four of the teams that were in the Western, the Western and Eastern Conference Finals from the bubble mm-hmm. will be in those conference wow. finals now. Just to go to show that the bubble was not was not a fluke, because there is a legit chance we might get Miami Lakers. That would be something. Seven and eight in the finals. That That's would crazy. Be, that would be crazy. Yeah, and and it's very possible. Because uh, the Heat, I mean, they're looking real good right now, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, Keely, you say I don't care about basketball, but I've, I've actually been watching, you know, quite a bit of it, and I did win a little, little scratch on, I think it was Game Five, um, I, I put down a big bet on the Lakers for that game, so. Oh no, it must have been Game Four because they Maybe lost Game, game Four. Five. Yeah, was that they, they went up three one, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's 3-1. the one. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't even nothing with that with that point spread. I just went the whole way. As I knew you would. Yeah. Because I know you well when it comes to bets and you won Degenerate heavily. Degenerate gambler I am. <laughs> but it paid off. And that is a very sort of observation by Scott as well. We are in the bubble 2020 <laughs> redo, and it is very possible. It could be Lakers and the Heat in the finals. And it goes to show the play-in 
is legit. You can find a way into the finals by being in the plan and scrapping and clawing this entire season. And the Lakers, who we tracked this entire year, every single week, 13th, 11th, 12th, moving on up and look where they are right now in a prime spot to possibly be in the finals in the next two weeks. Big shit for them and for the Heat. They're a dangerous team. Whoever walks away from Celtics 76ers today, I would not want to play in Miami at all right now, but we'll see how it goes. But playoffs, unpredictable, fun, and the play-in, gotta say, has been a winner three years in a row. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the King. Shout out to Gigi, too, man. Shout out to the boss. <laughs> Just got to rub it in one more time. I totally understand I, it. I also got to say, watching Scott in real time uh, <laughs> in, in the Fight Game Media Discord, just losing his mind, like, on literally every play. And uh, don't do, like, they're up, like, you know, 15 points. I don't like this lead. I'm not like, enough. <laughs> Listen, I've seen the Warriors do it way too many times I, I, in a minute. I can't have it, man. Too much. I need a 30-point lead with three minutes to go. As someone with, like, no stake in the game, I was just, I was, it was so entertaining. See, I knew somewhere Scott was freaking out by the end of the first quarter. Like, he said, it was too close. Oh, God, they made a little comeback. It was 27 to 10, and then it's like a four-point game. The rest, I'm like, all right, here we go. Ten minutes left in the game, he was doing that. Yes. (laughs) Rightfully yeah. so. The Warriors are legit. They will come back and sneak on you and find a way to win. But Steph cannot do it alone. And Clay, I don't know what happened to him. Jordan Poole disappeared. Mm, there was some shrinkage down the stretch in terms of support. But yeah, the Warriors flamed out and it was not their year. It was really wasn't their year. It's the moment Draymond punched out Jordan Poole in practice. But I digress yeah. as we end the year on a low for the Warriors, but on a high for the Lakers. Good luck to them in the Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets series. Will probably begin on Monday if I'm not mistaken, but I think it's Tuesday. Tuesday. I, think it's, I just saw it today. Okay, yeah. Tuesday. Cool. Yeah, could be wrong, but I think that's what I saw. We'll pray for NXT nonetheless. Him. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and let you know. NXT won't be watched live next Tuesday. I'm gonna go ahead and let you know that now. <laughs> you gotta watch Obafemi and. Uh, uh, now, oh, if, he's, if he's on at halftime, if he's on at halftime, absolutely. Yeah. Priorities. No Grayson Waller, no Scott Young. Well, Grayson's gone anyway. He won't be there. He'll be on SmackDown talking to AJ Styles. True story. Grayson Waller. Spoiler alert. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Did I spoil something? I sure did. It was in a preview (laughs) for for next Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't tape it already. No, it's it's live next Friday. Yeah. Which reminds me, they will have the tape. Yeah. Double taping. That's right, because they're going to be traveling in the next couple of weeks. Correct, Amundo. So before we get to all of the Night of Champions stuff, let's get to Monday Night Raw this past Monday in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was the beginning of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Two triple threat matches going down on Monday Night Raw. The two winners of those triple threats will move on to a one-on-one match to crown a number one contender on the Raw side of things for the newly created championship that is really a consolation prize for the other championships on SmackDown. And it's just a big old mess. I don't care about this big, ugly belt, even though Scott likes it. Me, not so much. I'll ask Paul later his thoughts 
on the belt. But until then, let's focus on the first triple threat match of the night involving Damian Priest versus Seth Rollins versus Shisuke Nakamura. And this match, to me, outside of the main event, was the best match on the show. I loved the three-way action. I loved the sell job by Damian Priest selling the knee injury from Backlash a couple of days earlier. And he really sold and sold and sold, but also worked great with Rollins and Shisuke Nakamura when it came down to Shin and Seth Rollins. I loved the back and forth, the strike exchange. They were laying in that shit. I loved it. Then Damian Priest comes through once again with some more action on Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura has a knee bar on Damian Priest, has it locked in pretty good, but then Seth comes through with the frog splash on Nakamura, hits the pedigree for the one, two, three to advance to the finals of this tournament on the Raw side of things. Really good matchup. All three guys look strong. And I thought Shin had a shot at first, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. But Seth is obviously the right guy for this moment to be in this position to possibly vie for this newly created championship. But Scott, your thoughts on this match? The jump started Monday Night Raw on USA. I thought this was probably the best out of the four triple threats. Um, you know, and, and the only reason I think the SmackDown one, the ending hurts that one a little bit, but I think this is probably the best out of the four. Uh, I really enjoyed the Rollins, that frog splash, the way he altered his body, coming from that corner, having to turn and adjust. I like that he finished the match with the pedigree. Big fan of ending the matches with your secondary finishers and, you know, something other than the curb sign. I think it adds to his bigger matches. So when he pulls out the pedigree in a big match and somebody kicks out, it means a little bit more. So that was nice. Um, everybody looked good. Damian Priest has a reason for the loss. You know, you do have to wonder, though, why are people who lost the night before in triple threats for, you know, the world, the new world title? But that's a whole nother subject. I thought Shinsuke looked good. Uh, Shinsuke AJ potential match would have been cool for the title. That would have been something. But Seth was the right guy to go over. Good match. Um, and I thought this was much better than the other triple threat match. Amen to that. Because even though your guy was in it, it was not the greatest. We'll get to him momentarily. But Grandpa, Paul, your thoughts on this triple threat match involving Rollins, Damian Priest, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, I agree with Scott. It was uh, the best of, I think, all four uh, triple threat matches, and they were all pretty good. Um, and yeah, I was I was kind of hoping for Shin. Uh, that was my pre-tournament pick. I, I got to say, like, you know, and I know you'll ask for the overall thoughts later, but I just I, like I the the entire concept of of the belt and the tournament was not anything I was really a fan of, but they really tried. And uh, I thought the matchups were all compelling and, um, you know, and the fans seemed to really be into it. So whether it was just the fact that they were great matches that they got to see or whether they were actually into the idea of whoever was going to win this belt, um, either way, like it, it kind of worked and I'm surprised. And I really just think it comes down to the fact that uh, WWE right now is kind of just firing on all cylinders. Um, and it just, um, I, I was special shout out I think you kind of mentioned Aquila, but to Damian Priest, like maybe the best two matches of his career in three nights between, you know, like Saturday and Monday. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think his stock in WWE uh, went up big time and uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him get, you know, some sort of a title run. Um, you know, I know he's been the U S champion before, but 
maybe, you know, even something bigger than that or a longer run or something, because he showed what a valuable uh, performer he is and how over and just an important part of the show and the company as a whole that uh, that he is. I've always been high on Damian Priest from his days in NXT when he figured it out about three years ago. Then the main roster call up happened and Vince kind of screwed up the presentation for a long while. Mm -hmm. The beginning of Judgment Day was rough, but then he figured it out. And in the last few weeks or so, he has really commanded himself as a top tier star that could be a big time champion in WWE. As you mentioned, back to back match of his career is a backlash and on Monday Night Raw via this triple threat match and the cell job and his performance has been great. His promos have been so much better. There's a cool factor to him that makes him stand out. He's a badass and is really finally coming to fruition on the main roster, long overdue. And I think Scott mentioned this as well recently, that it's gone from Finn to Rhea to now Damian Priest being this presence in Judgment Day that stands out in a very good way and good for him. I hope he's rewarded for this down the road with a championship because he's definitely earned that cred as of late. But all in all, a really good triple threat match to set the tone for this tournament. As we segue to Cody Rhodes, avoiding disaster because i think we can all agree we do not want this guy anywhere near this championship this is not the way he wants to finish his story via a consolation title he tried to sell it at the top of monday night raw talking about the good old days in jacksonville three years ago a nice nod to AEW's time there in jacksonville during the heart of the pandemic and there was another triple threat match i think the weakest of the four that aired this week on tv it was cody rhodes versus the miz versus Finn Balor. And the match was all right. This was all about Cody dominating, picking his spots, hitting double Cody cutters on Finn Balor and the Miz at one point. The Miz is a skull question finale on Finn, but then Cody comes through with not one, not two, but three. Cody crossroads on the Miz and then Brock Lesnar appears out of nowhere. Cowboy outlaw Brock, his new nickname, <laughs> black eye and all, busted up from his injuries at Backlash, and he went the hard way with blood deliberately to sell the match even more, and he proceeds to whoop up on Cody Rhodes, beats his ass, F5s him through the announce table, and that gives Finn Balor the end to beat The Miz to move on to the main event facing Seth Rollins in the number one contenders match for this heavyweight championship match at, at Clash of Champions, but... I'm happy that Cody avoided this matchup in Saudi Arabia. This is not the championship he should be vying for. We know the main championship is on SmackDown. Smart decision by WWE. Let's lean into the Brock and Cody feud some more. Brock cuts a promo on Cody about why he did what he did in terms of you want to fight. Look what you did to me. I'm going to get you. I want to fight. I want to fight. So we get some kind of fight. And out of champions, we'll see about it. I'm intrigued by this matchup as Cody will find another way to win. I expect it to be bloody and violent per the usual. Will Cody bleed in WWE for the first time hard way? We shall see about that. But Paul, your thoughts on this triple threat and Brock interfering when he needed to the most. It's exactly what how I would have booked it. Um, again, I, I know a lot of people thought that this championship was Cody's to win. Um, and I just, you know, for a lot of different reasons, I thought, you know, no, that's not the way you want to go with him. Um, the finishing the story, the, the only way to do it is, is to dethrone Roman. So, um, this title is, is a sidetrack. I'm not exactly sure why they're doing it. Um, you know, I have my theories, but, um, I thought uh, this was a good way to get out of it. Uh, the match itself, you know, perhaps suffered a little bit as a result of it. 
um, because I think most people probably figured out where it was going. And so it's kind of hard to get behind, behind uh, Cody. And, you know, I don't think anyone, everyone kind of knew Miz was there to take the pin. So it was just a matter of, okay, when is Finn going to pin the Miz? Cause that's what's happening. That's what we all kind of know is happening. Um, I got to say it's Brock uh, attacking Cody and especially cutting that promo on him. I, you know, I've never seen Brock so, um, like, I don't even know the word, like, ferocious, fearsome, um, terrifying. Like, he just, like, you know, like, he kids watching probably were, like, screaming, you know, turning the TV out. Like, he, like, he just had a seriousness and a legitimacy that you just don't see in pro wrestling, like, these days, you know, and uh, and going from, you know, two weeks ago or whenever it was where he's smiling, happy cowboy Brock to this Brock that we all knew was in there um, is just great. And the fans kind of like in Jacksonville, you know, these are the same fans that kind of booed Cody out of AEW. And there was a little bit of that at the beginning. If you listen, like when he, you know, said, Oh, Jacksonville, you know, what do you want to talk about? And there was a little bit of booze in there. Cause I think, you know, a lot of those fans are probably the same ones that were there when uh you know he cut uh his famous cody luther king promo <laughs> um so uh i uh you know i just thought this was really great and set up a match that you know is is one of the featured attractions on you know on the uh uh saudi mania i i forget the name and i don't care because it's always gonna be saudi mania to me so uh <laughs> i yeah i just i just thought this this worked you know and and uh and again you know it gets finn you know, into the finals and um, yeah, just a, just a really, really great segment uh, of, of TV there in uh, on raw. Yeah, I agree. And Brock has his shirt. He's an outlaw now. I love that for him. And I think mm-hmm. that WWE went a little bit over the top with the piped in booze. Like really, that was a bit excessive, like <laughs> Brock can get his own heat, but it was still very good. And Cody so beautifully. And I was not a big fan of him being able to talk backstage later in the show. I'm ready for a fight. Like, can he sell at least for a week to kind of sell the wounds just a week? That's all I ask. But all in all, a good way to sell this feud continuing at Saudi Mania, Paul's new name for this show, which sounds right to me because I get confused too. Is it Night of Champions? Is it Clash of Champions? I don't know. But we're going to watch it on Peacock on the 27th of May, I do believe. I'm going to be locked in and trying to see what's going to happen. But I still need to know, Brock, why? Dating back to the night after WrestleMania, why did you attack Cody Rhodes? I still don't know. Like, I don't know why Liv likes going through tables. It's been eight months, and Scott gets on my ass about that every other week. And I, too, need to know, Brock, why you went after Cody. Maybe we're going to answer one day soon in the next couple of weeks. But, Scott, your thoughts on Brock Lesnar crashing the party of Cody's championship coronation, thank God, and Finn Balor moving on to the finals of Face Seth Rollins in the main event of Monday Night Raw. You know... The, the mysteries, the mysteries are, are never ending in WWE. We still haven't figured out Liv Morgan. We're still waiting on why she enjoys pain, you know. Um, and now Brock Lesnar, the the fun-loving cowboy, all of a sudden runs out of moonshine and he's all pissed off at everybody. <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. Like, what's, what's going on? I, it's fine. I get it. He's mad. Cody beat him when he, when even though Cody had busted him open and bloodied him and all this. And essentially it was kind of in charge of the match, you know, jumped them from the jump. So it's not like, you know, but I agree with Paul. He, he was great in the segment. Brock is Brock. He makes everything work. He is a fantastic athlete, professional wrestler. And 
as good as he is, I genuinely just don't think people really appreciate what he brings to the table and the realism and legitimacy he brings to the table. I like he's somebody if he really wanted to, I believe he could do that to somebody and just hold them there like a child and they could do nothing about it. And I would be terrified. Like <laughs> that's that's believable when it comes to Brock Lesnar. And that's what he brings to the table. The Cody Rhodes thing is very interesting because you bring up you both bring up a good point about this is the AEW home and this is where, you know, the fans did turn on him. This is where the the fans were like, hey, we're kind of we're kind of over you right now. You know, we're kind of over the over dramatics. You know, we're we're done with this. Their favorite thing was when Arn Anderson put a gun to his head and was like, you got to just shoot him. You know, essentially, that's that's why we're like, cool, great. He catches on fire. Oh, that's awesome. Cody, you're on fire. You know, they they had people believing that Sammy Guevara could be a top baby face. That's how much they hated Cody. Like, come on now. And so I, I'm not surprised. I think this is more of a I could see Florida being like that for Cody going forward. I could just see it having that reaction because everywhere else, Cody is still that guy. He still feels like the top baby face in the company. So um, he needs to win this match. He can't go 50, 50 with Brock. He's got to win this match and he needs to win convincingly, you know, three crossroads pins him clean, not a, you know, a fluke roll up, not a fluke roll up, but a, you know, not a kind of sneak roll up where he catches him off guard, but uh, we'll see what happens with that match. I expect both to get bloody. Cody's the blonde hair is definitely getting some red. It's long overdue. He has not bled in almost a year. I'm sure he's just salivating at the thought of like, oh my God, I need to bleed again. I need to feel the blood run down my face. Maybe it's been almost two years actually, because he didn't bleed in WWE for the few months he was back before his pec injury. So he needs some blood in his life. If Brock can bleed, maybe Cody can sneak in some blood as well to add some heat to their match in a couple of weeks time at Night of Champions. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As we get to the main event of Monday Night Raw involving Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, this was a rematch to a long time ago, SummerSlam 2016, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It was a match for the inaugural Universal Championship, Big Red. I called it the Big Red Kryptonite Belt Bootleg Championship Belt they were fighting for. And it was a hell of a fight, but in this match, there was a spot where we had Seth Rollins deliver a buckle bomb to Finn against the barricade and Finn's shoulder was completely destroyed. So we go back in time about six, seven years later, and we go back to this spot. But this time it's Finn Balor doing the same to Seth Rollins and it's Seth selling the shoulder throughout the smash. Great psychology, great callback. Both guys always work great together. And this main event was very good. Lacked heat 
for some reason, Jacksonville show was long, didn't get that kind of pop you expected. And I got to go in on them too. Both times when Seth Rollins' music hit, they did not harmonize. It was all off key. They wasn't in unison. They had to go to commercial break, play the music on to make sure they were trying to get back on rhythm. Definite choices, but still the match was pretty good down the stretch. Great counters from both guys, but ultimately Seth Rollins comes with a curb stomp on Finn Balor to get the win to move on to the finals of the tournament going down and out of champions in two weeks time against the SmackDown side, which was revealed on Friday night. But Scott, your take on this main event between Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. Very good match. Uh, Two great professional wrestlers going at it. Uh, doing what they do best. And Seth Rollins, is he's the right guy. I, I think he's outside of Cody. There's nobody I think you could really put that belt on. You know, I, Lashley's a name that comes to mind, but just the reactions that Seth gets. And it's been a while since he's had gold. And I know people, I've seen kind of the talk online. is like, you know, do y'all remember the last time y'all wanted uh, Seth Rollins as the top babyface champion? And they, you know, talk about his run with Bray Wyatt and, that's more so because of The Fiend. That's more so because they didn't know what to do with The Fiend, and they they did the stupid Hell in a Cell finish where they they essentially DQ'd the guy in a Hell in a Cell. Like, what the hell is that? But so you're not going to have that issue this time. I, I don't think Triple H will let that happen. I know Vince is creeping his way back in and probably is making some giving some influence, but Triple H is not going to let Seth Rollins fall victim to something like that especially as over as he is and the way he has the crowd behind him when he's essentially still this asshole character this crazy character he was before as a bad guy now he's just he's actually putting the the orchestra hands to work with the crowd finding a way to finesse them somehow some way paul your take on this main event of monday night raw involving finn balor and seth rollins yeah, like Scott said, uh, really good match. Um, I uh, I thought honestly the whole show was you know outside of uh, one match, um, you know with uh, what's her name from NXT Zoe Stark. Like the rest of the matches were all like really good, uh, hot crowd. You know that were into pretty much everything. Um, you know you want to talk about crowd sweetening. Well, you know if there if there was doing that, I don't know. They the guy must have took a break during that one match because there was no no crowd sweetening during the Zoe Stark uh, match. I can't even remember who it was that she wrestled, but um, you know. So I, I think in order to sweeten something, you got to have something to work with. And this crowd was was into pretty much everything, and uh, right up to the main event. And um, I, I one thing I really liked about it is you know, you don't really, you didn't really know. Like, I think I kind of assumed Seth was going to win on the raw side, but you know, you could make a case for Finn Balor and especially, you know, cause then, you know, he could be going up against the baby face on the other side and could certainly see Finn Balor as, as a potential champion. He did win the universal title uh, when, you know, when they first brought that in. So, and he hasn't had a feud with Roman does that, unless I'm forgetting. Um, so, um, you know, I, um, again, I, at the start of this, I didn't care about this title and I still kind of don't, but as I'm watching, I'm really into it. So I, I feel like, you know, when they, you know, when they get to, uh, um, night of champions, Saudi mania, uh, I will probably be into the match and, and the, whoever wins the title, it's, it's probably going to feel like a big deal. And I think those fans there as well will probably treat it well. They, the last couple shows from there, 
Um, you know, it doesn't feel like fans that are being held there against their will watching a show that they have no idea what's going on. Like they actually seem into this and, uh, and, and those crowds, it's not going to be uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, but it, it should be a pretty lively crowd in, uh, in Jeddah. Yeah, the crowds have been better the last couple of shows, I have to say as well. They've livened up the atmosphere a lot. They are aware of the product. They like the stars and they are aware of the wrestlers are not there because, oh, it's a thing we have to go to to <laughs> pretend that we're into it. They're actually into it, which has made these shows a lot better. And I got to say from Elimination Chamber through the last couple of shows, it's been pretty entertaining and for a long time, these shows were trash. I didn't care to watch them, but it has been much better. And I think the fans will push this championship match over the top in a couple of weeks' time. But, Paul, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted your thoughts on this championship mm-hmm. belt. I have been outnumbered by several people on this very show, including my co-captain. But your thoughts on the aesthetic of this championship belt? The Okay, the actual belt itself. I honestly don't like I'm not a belt guy, you know, in terms of like, oh, you know, which, you know, they get a new belt and you instantly think it's good or bad. Like if it's outrageously bad, um, I I will, you know, I'm usually going to probably feel the same way as everyone. I, I think back to, you know, that Divas belt um, or uh, the, the one New Japan belt that looks like the Divas belt. Um, but in terms of this one, like it, it kind of looks all right. But I will say it very much looks like a consolation prize. Um, you know, like it's like they designed a belt and let's say, okay, let's make a belt, but we don't want it to outshine the other one. Um, you know, the, the only thing I will say that, that puts it above the other two that Roman has is it doesn't have the colors. So it, it, you know, even though it's, and I'm not even sure, like, I don't remember the exact promo that, uh, Triple H did, but, and, and I'm, you know, I've had people throwing it in my face because of a few things I've said on Twitter, but, um, my, my thought was Roman's belts, he is negotiated in storyline in his contract that he only has to defend it occasionally. And, and it'll only be on the brand that he's on, that he's going to have to defend it. Whereas the, the other champion, the, the world champion, I think that's what they're calling it. Um, everyone calls it the raw belt, but it will be defended on raw, but it, I don't know that they ever said it was exclusive to raw. So that's why to me, like, is why it doesn't have any colors. Um, but I, you know, again, aesthetically, um, it's not the best. It's definitely not the worst. It's there. It's a good assessment. At least you don't love it outright. Mm -mm -mm. No, and the the concept of it, I absolutely hate. Like, and I think we probably all agree on that. Like the idea of a third belt, because you know, Roman either doesn't want to defend it or because he's already beaten everyone is the most laziest and quite honestly harmful booking that they absolutely could have done. I mean, it was, it's right there. Just strip him of one of the belts. He has two, you know, and then, but then it's like, well, who's stripping him? And then it just opens up a whole can of worms. You know, it's like, who's drafting, you know, it's like, uh, oh yeah, well, we're going to strip him of the raw title. And it's like, okay, well, why don't you ship it under the SmackDown title? It's the same person making the decisions. Listen, I'm going to just say this. I do not have an issue with big goal with the cruiserweight portal in the middle. Okay. (laughs) I got no issues with it. I'm here for it. I think it looks good. You know, if I need to go to a different dimension, I could just walk through my belt. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Listen, is, is, is he, is Roman like, you know, he looks at it. Is he like looking at it saying, I wish I had that belt. 
I don't like this. I don't like these two. I want that one. <laughs> Is that the look on his face or am I just reading something into it? Because he's looking longingly at that belt like like Macho Man looked or like Hogan looked at Elizabeth. I think it's I think it's more so he's looking at it like, hmm, you know, I'm carrying around both belts. Why don't I just get the one? This might not be a bad idea. Maybe I need to compartmentalize these two belts in the one. What am I carrying all this weight for? Let me help the wise man out a little bit. Why do I got to carry two belts through an Yeah. Let me swap these out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Heyman really seems to want that belt, too. I think there's more coming when it comes to Roman and that belt. I'll just say that. Put that out there. I agree. He was looking too lovingly at it. Like, hmm, this looks very nice. I could add this to my collection and I can toss these two aside to lighten my luggage. But Scott 100% tried it by saying that that big goat cruiserweight portal is a Stargate. <laughs> the audacity. Listen, you, you can go with that. You know, it could even be, uh, you could think of it as Dr. Strange opening uh, one of his little magic portals. However you want to think of it, and that's the, the globe, that's the world right there. However you want to think of it. But just remember that whenever you need to get away, just slide into your belt. <laughs> I can't stand you, but it's accurate because it's exactly what it is. It's a wormhole belt, officially. That's what it is. As we move on to our favorite show, NXT. Yes, I lie every week by saying that. But it was all right. But I have to discuss something that my co-captain mentioned to me. Yeah, so we're talking about the beginning of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament to crown a new champion at Battleground in a couple of, in a couple of weeks' time. And Scott um, noted to me before we recorded that he wanted to talk about the presentation of the women who are in the tournament. It's an eight-woman tournament, but there was two single-file lines on the main stage of NXT at the PC, and he felt this presentation was not it. And I want Scott to explain why the presentation of four and four, line by line, was not it for him. Well, besides the fact they look like my uh, my three-year-old's class when they have to get ready to go outside and stand in line. Besides that fact, it also looked like those were the only women they had left on the roster after the injuries and all the call-ups they had. Like, I just thought the entire thing just looked just looked amateurish. Like, it's I I, I don't like the idea of you just standing and they just happen to be across from their opponents. Like it. Are all those the the matchups too? Like, come on now. What, are you, seriously? What are we doing? Did did they have an X on like four X's and each one had their all right, go find your name, go stand by your name. Okay. And when we call your name, come to the ring. All right. So Gigi and Tiffany come to the ring. And you know, what is this? Uh the, the price is right. You know, what are we doing? What exactly are we doing right now? This was exactly the same as when they did the breakout tournament and they had the the people that we had no idea who they were and they brought them all on the stage. It was the exact same setup, except this is for the world, you know, the world title or the, you know, the women's title. And it was, yeah, it was embarrassing. It was not 
the best, I will have to say. I did feel like the price is right. Hey, Tiffany Stratton, come on down. You're the next contestant in this tournament. Hey, Gigi Dolan, come on down. You're also the next contestant in this tournament. Let's begin right now. And the tournament matches this week were just so, so. Tiffany moves on to the semifinals to face the winner of, I presume, will be Roxanne Perez and Jesse Jane next Tuesday on NXT. And then we have Lyra Vakiria versus Kiana James. And the match is fine. And I like Lyra a lot. But her presentation, the whole Vikings and the Woods gimmick, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the flight of the Valkyries. I'm not into it very much. She's very good as a wrestler. I think she's gorgeous, but there's something about the presentation and the gimmick that's missing for me at the moment. But hopefully she ties it all together because she is really good in the ring. But the personality and this gimmick is lacking for me. And I want to see if Paul agrees with me on that because, you know... Mm, it's been so 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 far for lyra on nxt yeah i haven't been a big fan of hers i used to watch nxt uk as well and um i was very surprised when they called her up um and a sure gimmick there was even more like kind of bizarre i i can't remember her exactly it was like Efri valkyrie or something like that and uh, like she had the exact same last name as taya valkyrie so they tweaked it when she came to the you know nxt main um, like you said, she's a very good wrestler, but it's just something about the gimmick, the presentation just doesn't work. And um, I don't, I mean, and, and as much as it doesn't work in NXT, there there's no chance it's going to work on the main roster. So I don't really know what they're doing there. Um, and, and it seemed like I, I expect that she's, you know, like she's probably going to end up in the finals, I would think, but I, I don't know. Um but yeah, this tournament is not lighting my world on fire. And I'll be honest, like the whole NXT, I don't know if it was just me. Like, I, I think I was tired when I watched it. I, it took me so long to watch the show because every time the match started, I fell asleep. And then I woke up and they were in commercial and I had to rewind to find out what happened. It literally happened in every single match on NXT. And uh, I don't think that's ever happened before. So like this show was just kind of there. And uh, and I'm a big fan of NXT, but this this week didn't do it for me. It merely existed. I've been feeling this way for a while now. I don't know what's happened. It was like Deadline was like, oh, this is a good promotion. This is a really good mm -hmm. show. And I don't know what happened since the new year. The show for me is like in a flat line direction. It's been all right. There have been good moments. There have been some solid shows here and there, but I've not been blown away by nxt as a product in the last three to four months and you explained it perfectly the show was kind of there this week very very so so and the tournament for me it's not hitting and even the participants yeah i like roxanne perez but i think she should be on the main roster honestly speaking i think that she's ran her course on nxt let's move on and then we have lyra and possibly cora jade in this other semifinal spot we saw the match it was all right was not very good down the stretch we'll see how it goes but yeah this is not exactly the spiciest tournament to crown a new champion and at this point give it to tiffany why not she has time to learn and grow and she'll get better but yeah this tournament is not it and i was not impressed by both matches, unfortunately, this week on NXT. And I want Scott's take on Lyra's presentation because he likes her too. But do you agree that for some reason she's not clicking with this fan base on NXT thus far? Um, I, I don't know. This I don't even know if this is the best fan base to really judge anything off of anyway. Because, I mean, 
they they're hot and cold. They were booing Braun Breaker when there was no reason to, you know, like and I you know, they they were giving MSK a hard time when there was no reason to like this this fan base just has its favorites, whether they're supposed to be baby faces or heels and I don't I I don't I don't take too much in the this fan base in particular as far as the the reaction. I do agree with you both as far thinking the character wise, Lyra does need something. You know, she needs something that's really going to make her stand out. To me, she feels like she's going to fit in with the Viking Raiders. You know, her whole gimmick seems like it's that's what's coming, and I don't want that because I I think she is really good in the ring. I think she could be a really good baby face, um, especially the fire she has. She's got. Uh, good strike. So I, I enjoy watching her. But let me tell you something, man. I, she lost the match, but Kiana James, she's the one. Mm-hmm. She is the one. Oh, she's got next. She is someone that you got to keep your eyes on. She's got a personality down pack. She does have the 2K23 walk away, which is <laughs> tremendous. I do love that for her. But she's got something. And, you know, a year ago, she was very mechanical in the ring. She was very vaudevillian. But she is really turning around. She's got a great gimmick, can work. And she will get better in the next year or so. And she can be a star on the main roster sometime very, very soon. So I do see it for Kiana James. Absolutely, 100% agree. and. That's all I can say about this tournament this week. It was just kind of there. It existed and move on to next week. And hopefully the matches will be a little bit better as we get to the semifinals heading into Battleground in a couple of weeks time on Peacock. As we segue to someone that I really like on NXT by the name of Tank Ledger, one of the best names you can have as a professional wrestler. And he's been teaming up with Hank Walker. And, you know, I dig the tag team, but something about Tank stands out. He's had a grand total of two matches on national television and both times this is due to Sudad who lost a tooth this week, but I love his power game. I love his charisma. He's not just rehearsing shit. He's really present, giving me Braun Breaker, natural God, given ability as wrestler vibes, and I'm here for it. He has a ways to go, but Tank Ledger has gotten my attention. I'm impressed by him, and I think he has the potential to be a star in maybe two years' time, Paul. I um I saw a match that he had with Tank uh or Hank and Tank. Um this was uh, I don't know it was maybe 3 weeks ago on Level Up and they didn't interview before the match. And this interview, my god, like I'm amazed. Like I guess cuz nobody watches Level Up, but um the picture Otis in just, you know, Otis like it is just most bombastic glory, just dialing it up to a 10. And then someone beside him, that's about double that. Like, that's what these two were. And it was unbelievable. Like the, the, the charisma flowing out of the both of them was, was unreal. And they were on there with Kelly Kincaid, you know, the former Quinn McKay. And she was just like looking at them, like, what am I watching? And, and then they went out there and they had their match and um, you know, and, and, and they're both, you know, like tank is, is, or Hank is like, you know, he's all right. Tank is, I think I got that right. Like I, I get the two mixed up. The newer one is the one that is just, he looks like a natural and um, I, I predict like big things for them. And the anti um, Lyra Valkyria, like these two, and especially the the new one, again, their names are too similar, but tank, sorry, tank, right. 
um, that's the guy like they're going to take one look at him on the main roster and he's going to get pushed and he's going to get over. And as long as he doesn't do anything stupid, he's going to be a star in like two or three years. I, I predict on the main roster. I totally agree. I see it for him. He reminds me a little bit of Otis in terms of his personality, which I love too. So I love tank ledger, the dude, the moment, the hour I have to say. So Paul, Thank you for co-signing on that because you do have the level up T. You are someone that investigates that show on the weekly. You get all the inside scoops on the up and coming stars in that show. And we greatly appreciate it. But Scott, your take on Tank Ledger, match number two on TV live in front of cameras and the world. And do you see it for him in the next couple of years? I don't know. Uh, I I wasn't quite as uh, taken aback as, as you two were. I, I don't know. He's 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 fine, you know. He he's fine. I surprisingly, I don't know why. I was more impressed with uh with um uh Briggs and Jensen. I, I even called them by their actual names, Briggs and Jensen. Like <laughs> I Jensen. I came yeah, he's not even Jack off Jensen, man. I was like I actually really enjoyed watching them work as kind of a dominant tag team. It you know, like they were very serious. There was no games. I can I can get behind this, and honestly, I think they need to just go ahead and go full fledged heel. And I was waiting on it to happen, and I was uh, I'm really here for it. like I. That's who I came away thinking that I want to see them turn heel and run with it. Like, give me the Braun Breaker as heel turn, and let me let them just run wild. I know you have Gallus as your top heels right now doing their thing, but. I I'd love to I'd love to see uh, 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 Jensen and Briggs have a nice heel run. I, I think there's there's something there with those two. You saying they upgrade from Little Big Town to like Florida Georgia Line? Nah, they're not that good. I would okay. say I, they 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 nah. <laughs> Listen, Florida Georgia Line can mess around and come to a cookout or two. I'm not inviting either one of them to no cookout. All right, um, give me the Dixie Dorks. The Dixie Dorks, that's not bad. I could I could rock with the Dixie Dorks. Um yeah, I I, I could I could definitely do the Dixie Dorks. But nah, not Florida Georgia Line. I got too much respect for them. All right. You know key, key list. You know, we've reached a point. I'm tired. I am disgusted. We got Paul saying, Well, they've upgraded to Florida Georgia Line, as if they're any good too. How dare you? Florida Georgia Line's all right. They are. Wait right. a, pause. To anyone that likes them, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Just hell no. No. Listen, if they're good enough for Nelly, they're good enough Maybe for me. Maybe you a song. Maybe we're on a roll. My <laughs> windows up and cruise. All right. If they're good enough for Nelly. Nelly only comes back for the legends. Tim and Florida Georgia Line. That's right. That is and embarrassing. And they're WWE fans, too. See, there and, you go. Then, yeah, for the check, for tribute to the troops. Come on now. <laughs> Respectfully, they do respect the military. I do give them the credit for that, for honoring our men and women. I do love them for that. But musically, <laughs> they're not my peoples. They're like and the flow rider of country. <laughs> they're the flow rider of country music. Okay. And you, you're you're saying that like it's an insult. <laughs> Flow rider. Listen, listen. listen. I want to clarify so we can remember back in time. Flow rider. 
Let me go back in time. For those that remember a fateful Monday Night Raw many years ago when Flo Rida was exposed as a guy that couldn't rap on the fly because both Dallas had more bars than Flo Rida. Listen, first of all, let me just let me just throw this out there. Anyone who was expecting bars from Flo Rida in the first place. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's that's where the first question needs to be asked. So if you were expecting bars from Floyd, if you heard any of his music and you were expecting bars, <laughs> let me put you on some people. Don't maybe break into my house. Okay. Okay. Listen, like I said, if you listen to Flo Rider and you expect them bars, I'm cool with riding along to him, you know, top down. He got some easy going songs. Good for the kids. Some nice kids bop songs, you know, but I'm not going there for bars. Kid bops, really, Scott? Kid bops is what we've been reduced to. <laughs> name, name me, name me a dope flowrider song that can't be on kids bop. Facts. Oh, that's impossible. I mean, Titanium <laughs> was that hit about ten years ago. Them kids sung their hearts out on that you one. You know what I'm saying? Was, yeah. The kids, maybe no, no. The kids not. sing apple bottom jeans. That's on wild, kids. Wild ones, maybe. No, club can't handle me. That one, I can't see kids Bob singing that. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna say the pool can't handle me or something. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, they can do that. <laughs> the community center can't handle yeah. me. The park can't handle me. My dad, my pop can't handle me right now. <laughs> my pop can't handle me. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I just can't anymore. I'm broken. This conversation's broken me. Scott has given credibility to Brooks and Dunn, and I have to say, he's not wrong. They have grown on me as a tag team. Now, I got to say this for the record, beyond a shadow of a doubt, to Brooks Jensen in particular. He has gotten better, but that headband he was wearing on Tuesday, burn it. Yeah. Burn it. Put it in a fireplace, scorch it. I never want to see it again. Better yet, cut the whole mullet. I'm done. Only Dominic can do that. that Only guy, Dom can do a mullet right. That guy saw the new white man can jump and thought he could be Jack Harlow. <laughs> oh. Think again, honey. Right. Burn that Jack shit. Jack Harlow, you are not, my son. No, you're not that. You're not that at all. Stop. Stop. He's going for Jack Harlow and he, he got Seth Rogen. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Paul. Paul with a deadly blow. A deadly blow. He was going for semi-pro, actually. With the okay. curl in the back. I, I, I'll give him that. But seriously, just get rid of that look. It's not cute. But they're getting better as a tag team. I will say that. And they're clicking. Very happy for them. And they can be a line for a tag team title shot down the road very, very soon. As we get to the main event of NXT, Braun Breaker versus Trick Williams. Now, it was a good match for what it was. But I want to salute Braun Breaker because I think on this show, I've mentioned this a few times. He came in hot back in 2021 when it was NXT 2.0. Scott and I was impressed by him. Every guest on this show loved Braun. He had next. We're saying he's going to main event WrestleMania in the next three to five years. And I still hold to that. 
I still believe it's going to happen, but he reached a plateau in the last year or so, some so-so feuds on NXT over that championship. The fans were cooling off him as well, but he has been reinvigorated via this heel turn. He carries himself like an absolute badass and his in-ring work is pitch is pitch is pitch perfect as a heel right now. Love the offense. And he really gave Trick an opening to fight back when need be, but it was not enough as Braun was delivering spine busters, suplexes, and hit the sun and recliner for the submission victory. Had on to it until NXT champion Carmelo Hayes, him, came out to make the save. But in my favorite spot of the entire show, it was Bond Breaker who caught a springboard with by Mello into a spear. He cut that man in half. Beautiful so job by Mello. But it was Bond Breaker that really sold the moment via his presence and his ability to get over as a heel. And that is going to be money for him on the main roster whenever he gets moved up in the very near future. But Scott, your take on the presentation of Bond Breaker as a heel so far in this main event of NXT from this past Tuesday. Absolutely fantastic. I, I, I think he is going to be, and I, I said it when he first turned, I'm pretty sure I said it when he first debuted that he had a great heel run in him. He's going to be awesome. This is, this is going to be, this is going to be the only reason people will tune in the NXT going forward. I hope he beats Carmelo. Like I, I hope he absolutely destroys Carmelo Hayes at battleground. I mean, Full on Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn type destroying, where he's just it's just slam after slam after slam after slam, and he just puts Mello in a in the Steiner recliner while he's already out sleep. Like I I want that level of dominance where you got Trick coming and just looking uber sympathetic, and then you could build that up all the way to SummerSlam and have Mello get the big victory uh, back. But I mean, I think you need to go all in with Braun as just this. I mean, everything about it is perfect. Like he is, he is fully embodying Scott Steiner. I mean, I, every I, the way he kind of when he got amped up when he was doing the backstage promo, he was real calm. Like you know, I carried NXT on my back, and the fans they chose Carmelo, and that's cool. And you know, you know what? You want something? You want something? And then he got real fired up and started going at it when he's in the ring, and now he's doing the push-ups, and he's got a little arrogance to him, the same way Scotty did. Man, I, I love it, and I think he is going to be a fantastic heel for a great babyface and Carmelo Hayes to go after and have to conquer. I love it. I think he's great, and I truly believe that Braun Breaker needed this heel turn to really establish himself as a guy that can be over on the main roster, needed this run on NXT first, and Carmelo Hayes, you know, I think they're going to deliver a better match at Battleground than they had. It's going to deliver last month a better finish as well. That's not going to be cheap in nature. It will be more decisive, more definitive for both guys, but a great end to NXT. But Paul, your take on heel blonde breaker and how he's been able to elevate his game in the last month or so on TV. I, I will, I will gladly admit that as of about WrestleMania weekend, when uh, they had the match with Carmelo and he lost the title, I was thinking, like, if they call up Braun, he's dead in the water. Like, if they call him up and he's a baby face and they try to push him, um, those fans on the main roster are going to eat him alive. And, you know, if they try to make him the guy, uh, it's going to be, it's going to make what, how they rejected Roman look like, you know, I don't know, like Hulk Hogan in his prime. Um, I just, I had no hope for him. I thought he has not progressed in a year. 
and he's just he's got you know he he burst out of the gate and and then just stalled this heel turn i'm coming around on him like unbelievably like i what i saw on tuesday night um was i mean it was the lone bright spot on the show for me that uh you called the uh clothes or the um the spear the best thing on the show i think it was the best thing on on wwe tv all week like that's a thing that they can replay and i can imagine him doing that you know to like seth rollins or aj styles or you know somebody on the main roster and just have twenty thousand people going nuts and as a heel and and I think like if he comes in as a heel and just just running through people, kind of like Brock or you know heel Kurt Angle when when he was serious, um, I I think this guy you know I'm I'm just completely 180 the other way on him now, and uh, I I don't know what they're gonna do. I I like the idea of him just mowing through Carmelo, but but then again I I kind of just want him to get called up and not even be on NXT anymore because I'm not sure what else he can do there. Um, but, uh, either way, like, I think he's found his groove and eventually he's going to get turned baby face, but he's going to have that edge and, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, you know, and, and he's, this is what he needed. This, this was the kick in the pants and, uh, good on him and whoever made the decision to turn him. It was the best decision for him because I think he plateaued as a baby face. I think he knew it too. And this has really given him something new and fresh to do and has given him levels to being a character that is multifaceted, that can get over in any situation. He'll baby face, a baby face with an edge that's going to be needed on the main roster. He's not going to be this cookie cutter baby face. He's going to be a guy that you can definitely get behind someone that is going to be a badass that will be over and will main event WrestleMania someday very soon. Will it be under the Bond Breaker name? I do not know. I would love Rex Steiner, but we'll see about that down the road. But all in all, a good way to end a ooh, NXT that basically put Paul to sleep at various points. <laughs> and I honestly do not blame him for that. Get your sleep when you can. As we segue to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live from Knoxville, Tennessee. As we start the Smackdown side of the WWE World Championship Tournament, and we have our third Triple Threat match of the week involving Edge, WWE Hall of Famer, Rey Mysterio, WWE Hall of Famer, and AJ Styles, future WWE Hall of Famer, former champs going at it. This was my second favorite Triple Threat match of the week. Both all three guys just worked incredibly hard. We had Edge deliver a spear to AJ and right through the ropes at one point that popped the crowd. I love the triple team spots, the back and forth. Edge trying to lock in the execution on both Ray and AJ at various points. Can't break the ropes for, to break free from the hold because, you know, it's triple threat rules. Thank God they recognize that. I love the Tower of Doom spot. Ray was putting in work as well, trying to 619 both AJ and Edge, and that did not work. But eventually it came down to Ray and Edge having some miscommunication. This was supposed to be a spear in midair, but it did not land whatsoever. It was a gnarly mid-collision, which allowed AJ Styles to hit the phenomenal forearm on Edge for the victory. And crazily enough, I thought that Edge and AJ Styles did not have the best chemistry around this time last year from the match of WrestleMania through WrestleMania Backlash, even to Hell in a Cell. It was, mm, they worked well together here. And I like that. And Ray, of course, was always in the clutch outside of that botch at the finish that I'm glad the announcers did not replay. But thankfully, Michael noted it was just something regarding Edge. It was something regarding Edge not having enough to land the spear in midair to get the win. And AJ clean it up with the phenomenal forearm. But 
Paul, your take on this match that kickstarted SmackDown on Friday night involving Styles, Edge, and WWE Hall of Famer, Rey Mysterio. I I will have to agree that for me, okay, so you said it was your second favorite match of the week. I th- I'd say it was the second best match of the week, but it was my absolute favorite match of the week. And um, I just thought it was amazing that we had three guys that were, you know, like all, you know, um, I think AJ's 45, Finn Balor's 41, and Edge is 49. And they went out there and they had like a legitimate, like great match. And, you know, this was, this would be like, and I made this comparison on Twitter. This would be like if in like 1993, we got Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and Harley Race all in a triple threat match. And yet they were all still great. And at that time, like only Ric Flair was of the three of them. And, you know, Harley Race was a manager and Dusty was still kind of wrestling, but mostly booking and wasn't very good. And yet here's these guys that they said on the commentary have 90 years professional wrestling experience between them. And they were out there wrestling like guys that were 20 years younger and better than guys that were 20 years younger. I was just in heaven watching this. And it really brought me back to, I thought it was a nice throwback to the SmackDown 6 era from the early 2000s, you know, which two of these guys were a part of that, Ray and Edge. And AJ was tearing it up in TNA, but, you know, kind of could just retroactively be a a third member of that of that SmackDown 6. I just, I can't say enough good things about this match. And, and we got a clean finish. We didn't get the standard... Uh, WWE trope of you know one guy hits his finisher on the other and then the third guy tosses him away and and steals the pin like we got a clean win um, and all three guys got to shine I just I just absolutely loved this and it was great matchmaking and an even better match loved it loved it Yes, really good. Three season vets out there putting in that work. And I thought it was a great start to SmackDown as well. Right winner as well. Good for AJ Styles. Kind of was pulling for Edge a little bit too, but ultimately the right winner via the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Scott, your take on this Triple Threat match kicked off SmackDown on Friday night. I thought the match was really good uh, up until the finish. I I do kind of think that finish kind of deflated a little bit. Uh, took the air out of the sails for me personally. Um, I enjoyed everything up until that point. I, I think Edge should have won. Um, you know, I know the match you're going to get with AJ and Seth is going to be really good. I, I think Edge should have won that promo he cut. I think the story of him um, wanting that last run, wanting to finish his story that never actually did get finished. I, I think there was something there, and him and Ed, him and Seth Rollins have a history. They We've seen them put on really good matches. So I was pulling for Edge. I was 100% pulling for him. Um, I think there would have been something there. This was a fun match. Paul, I love how you laid that out as far as the timeline of these three uh, legends. Wade Barrett said something really jarring when he said that they have 90 years of experience between the three of them in that ring, which is absolutely insane to think about. And then you see... Uh, but then you see the the creativity in some of the three-way spots. You know, we're especially in WWE, you know, we're so used to seeing, you know, one guy out there, two guys in the ring doing their thing, one guy will come in, take somebody else out, them two do their thing in the ring, double, you know, big three-way spot, commercial back, same thing, repeat rents, let's do it again. There was some genuinely creative three-way spots where you know, where 
each person was doing something and it affected the other person where it made sense where they were out of the picture for a minute, but they would come right back in into a, a double team spot or something like that. So the the spots and the moves, they all made sense. There was good double team moves. This was a really good match. Like I said, the finish takes it away, takes a little bit out of it, just a little bit, but um, good way to start the show. You could tell the crowd was really excited for it. Still wish Edge would have won. Me too. He's my sentimental favorite. Cut a very good promo on social media the day before, and he's inching towards retirement. I hate to see it, but you know, they're still running him somehow. Somebody made before a championship with no all said and done, but I was pulling for him as well. But AJ is a fine pick for this finals matchup, which we'll get to momentarily as we now move on to our fourth triple threat match of the week involving Bobby Lashley, the United States champion, Austin Theory, and Sheamus. Sheamus. <laughs> I was pulling for my guy, but it wasn't meant to be. Almost forgot about him because he lost. But the story of this match was Bobby Lashley being busted wide open. His head was a geyser. There was blood everywhere, and it was caked up during the main event. My God. He survived this match. It was all right. It was probably the second weakest triple threat from the four i have to say austin theory existed he was just there took the loss surprisingly enough which i was very happy to see sheamus had his hope spots here and there but bobby actually stole the win from sheamus when it was all said and done by pinning austin theory for the one two three it was all right i'm happy that bobby won but the wound he left behind was something to behold paul yeah, no, I, another case of good matchmaking with, uh, you know, Bobby and Sheamus and, and Austin. And, and I'll agree with your assessment on, on it being the second weakest, but that's not really throwing shade. Um, you know, it was, it was really good, you know, really good tournament uh, for the, for the most part, um, you know, putting aside the ridiculousness of the, of the, of the second title. And, um, you know, this was more of the standard WWE trope. And, you know, so I, I didn't like this match. You know, that was one of the reasons why. But Bobby looked strong, um, you know, in hard, hard way blood, I assume. Um, seeing more and more of that in WWE and, um, you know, and, and the fans seem to be into it and they don't seem to mind. They're not shying away from it. So, um, yeah, I thought, you know, and again, just overall, really, really good episode of SmackDown with, you know, one notable exception. And, and this was, this was definitely a highlight. And uh, I, I, I really like my pick for the finals was Seamus and Shin. Um, I thought that would have been a really good finals and both guys have not really had, had, to, had a feud with Roman. So, but uh, you know, they, we, we got what we got. And, um, and I, I was pretty happy watching SmackDown uh, earlier today as we record. Yes. Very good show. Very good match. Scott, your take on the chip thread involving Sheamus, Barbara Lashley, and Austin Theory. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, Lashley looked good. Sheamus is super over. There was one spot. Um, I, I, I don't really have much to add. I thought you two laid out everything perfectly. But there was one spot uh, where Austin Theory does his rolling blockbuster. And this one almost looked like he did a sling blade. I think he should start incorporating a rolling sling blade into his moveset because I thought it looked pretty sweet, even though it was not what he was going for. Good observation. Very good observation. But poor Bobby's head. Oh, my goodness. They, did they not clean him backstage? That's my question. I don't know. He, he, was, he was bleeding like 
10 seconds into the to the last match yeah it was like wow did they close the wound i just don't know it was just oh quite the visual we get to in momentarily but good observation by scott and solid match it was all right for me good winner i will say that in theory you know i feel about him he's just kind of there for me he's built very nicely but that's all i got with him right now he holds his own but just to me unremarkable it was more about Bobby Lashley and Sheamus for me during this matchup as we get to my favorite part of Friday Night Smackdown. So we have not seen Roman Reigns since WrestleMania. I take that back. Since the Raw after WrestleMania over a month ago. And I'm still mad he skipped out on Puerto Rico for Backlash. The fans would have loved him. Great reception. Skipped out on that for reasons. But he came back on Friday Night Smackdown in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he delivered the riot act to Jimmy and Jey Uso because he's all about success and wins. And he celebrated Solo's victory at Backlash. Got the job done by pinning Matt Riddle. He did what he needed to do. However, the Usos fell short at WrestleMania. Fell short in the WrestleMania rematch against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for those tag team titles. Fell short by not getting the job done alongside Solo at Backlash. And Roman was mad that you dedicated the match to me. Your championship victory was to me. Like, no, that's not how that works around here. Don't dedicate it to me. Impressing me. No, I no, simply no. So he is dragging Jimmy and Jay for filth. And Jimmy is laughing. He thinks this is hilarious. He's just, oh, you can't be serious. You want, me to, you want me to apologize to you? You want us to apologize to you? You want us to acknowledge you? Like Jimmy was having a laughing fit, thinking it was a good fella spoof for the WWE WrestleMania commercials. <laughs> he thought, oh, this is a game. I'm, I'm joking. You think I'm a comedian? You think we're on set here doing this again? And poor Jay, once again, a tell, a serious moment like this. He's trying not to break. When he covers his face, he's trying so hard to maintain his composure because, you know, this is a bunch of shit. But ultimately, it comes down to Jimmy, like, kind of bucking on Roman when Roman Pie faces him, shoves him, tries to go him into a fight. And then we have the fans doing some kind of cursing that's bleeped on Fox. And then Jay grabs the microphone and he tells Roman, we apologize, we're sorry, we will make it up to you. Give us one more chance. Let's face Sammy and Kevin again for those tax and titles. Bring it back to the bloodline. And Roman says, oh, we'll get the titles back. But it goes to a Paul Heyman announcement saying that he pulled some strings. They made some things happen. And it will be Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. Yes, both of them defending the undisputed WWE tax and titles in Saudi Arabia. I can't believe it either. But apparently diplomatic relations have improved between Syria and Saudi Arabia which is maybe enable Sammy to travel for the first time to Saudi Arabia for a PLE. We'll see officially in two weeks. But on paper right now, it is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending the WWE Undisputed tag team titles against Solo Sokoa and the Undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. And Roman says, I would dedicate this match to the greatest tag team of all time, not the Usos, not even the New Day in modern WWE history. Let's dedicate to the Wow Samoans, Alpha and Sika, and that really rubs the Usos the wrong way. So it is going down, big time tag team match. It's Sammy and Roman across the aisle from each other once again. Looking forward to it. But Paul, 
all your hopes and dreams <laughs> for a night of champions. Roman Reigns crossing 1,000 days as champion. He ain't defending those belts on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it ain't happening. They said, mm-mm, kibosh on that. That's when we got SmackDown talent fighting for a Raw championship. They said, sorry this month, but Here's the prospects of this. That might be a small glimmer of hope because the Usos can ruin this 1,000-day celebration by somehow costing Roman these tag team titles. I mean, I almost am expecting Roman to win at this point. Um, you know, it, it would be, I mean, it would be a total Vince move to finally convince uh, Sammy uh, to go, or I mean, I guess it's probably not his you know, he had to convince the Saudis first had to want him to go. And then he had to agree to go same thing with Kevin and, and then take the titles off them and give them to Roman. I don't know. Um, or, you know, he loses and this, you know, kind of fractures the bloodline even more than what they already are. You know, we've, we've got some seeds that Sammy's trying to plant in, in Jay's head that, you know, Roman is only out for himself and this doesn't help that. Um, I, I, I didn't see this coming at all. I mean, I saw the Roman winning at WrestleMania and I saw the thousand days. I saw it a long time ago, but I sure as heck didn't see Roman and solo challenging for the undisputed tag team titles at Saudi mania on, uh, on double or nothing weekend. Um, you know, and then Cody and Brock, like I, anybody that says they call this at the beginning of the year is, is a liar. Cause, I mean, there's no way you saw this coming, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't intrigued. Um, and I will say also, you know, it's the first time we've seen Roman since WrestleMania and absence makes a heart grow fonder because when he shows up, it's a different vibe. Like all of a sudden, like that music hits and shit's going down. You know, it's like it's it's kind of the same thing as we we get when we hear Brock Lesnar's music. And when we see him three or four weeks in a row, it kind of dissipates a little bit. But with Roman now, we're getting to that point where he he does he shows up just enough that, you know, when he's there, it's like, okay, you know, you guys are done playing the big dogs in the room. You know, let's get to some serious business. And uh, I, I think it's great. His presence is everything. I will say that when he wasn't on TV for the last month or so, it felt like the bloodline storyline stalled a bit. It felt like we need to get to the next chapter. And the, and the chapter has arrived now because this is about the Usos finally maybe opening their eyes and realizing like, you know what, we need to get out of here. We need to exit stage left and maybe costing Roman these titles on his 1,000th day as champion will be the way to do it. To just add some more dissension between these three guys and solos right in the middle of this as well. Paul, the shit stirrer as well. So we needed this boost. Roman makes everything better when he's on WWE television. His presence is everything. The shade was fantastic. And the fans were ready for the Usos to fight back and say, Hey, you don't get to talk to us like this. You don't get to insult us like this. We are one of the greatest tag teams ever. We're family, but we're not going to be your bitch, but we'll see how it goes as we inch closer to the night of champions. But Scott, your take on this segment involving the return of Roman Reigns, and him scolding, owning, and dismissing the Usos in epic fashion and what they will ultimately do when it counts most. I think every time Roman comes on the screen, he just shows why he is far and away the biggest name that's in wrestling right now. That's in wrestling right now. We'll see how that looks in in a couple months as far as who's in wrestling. But in wrestling right now, far and away, no questions asked, 
the biggest name going. Um, you just hear the reaction when he's just standing there. I mean, the fans are excited to see him. He brings an excitement and energy that other people don't have. You know something important is going down. This is why guys, important people, people who mean something don't, and women and girls, you know, like Rhea Ripley, people who mean something don't need to be on TV every week. You don't need to see them every week. You want to show them for the for the for the live audience? That's cool, but you don't you don't need to see them every week. You got to pay to see them. If you got to show up to the show, you have to you know they're going to advertise when they're going to show up on TV. Like that's why Roman feels special. That's why he feels like a big deal because he's probably not going to be there till till Saudi. You know what I'm saying? He's probably not going to be around. Well, he'll be there next week because they're going to have the face to face, but. Yeah, that that feels like that's important. That's important. That's a big deal. Face to face with Sammy Roman's going to be face to face. Yeah, I'm gonna tune in for that. You make you make guys and girls feel important when it's when they show up. There's a reason for it. So I think that just shows what that shows what Roman brings to the table. Loved how he put over Solo. Um, as far as you know, we he swam. He's swimming like a shark, and Solo's got that mean look on his face. Great. Great uh, storytelling there. Just with Solo, him doing that, and then what he went on to say about the Usos and how he's always kind of had Solo right by his side this whole time. So very intrigued by I love the story that they're telling. Are we about to get Roman four belts? We'll see. Mm. That would be egregious if they did that. Well, he wouldn't be carrying them. Paul Heyman going to have to carry four belts. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, the extra lift. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. If they do, that would be so ballsy of WWE 1000th day. Let me win two more championships. Why not? It is not outside of the realm of possibility, though. I mean, why not? Then have the Usos beat Roman and Solo. I mean, what do you, I just, are you going to have KO and Sammy beat Solo? I mean, Roman's obviously not losing. So what do you do there? The Usos will play a role. The Usos will play a role in the outcome. That much I know for sure. The tilt the scales one way or the other, I don't know. But if they help Sammy in any way, Rome is losing his shit the next week on SmackDown. I can assure you of that. But it's high drama, and we needed this in the bloodline because the storyline up until now was kind of, mm, but we're back on track. I'm intrigued. I cannot wait to see how it all plays out in Night of Champions in two weeks' time on Peacock in the afternoon hours around 12 o'clock Eastern on the East Coast and 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Pray for y'all, as always. As we get to a bonus topic that was introduced by Grandpa Dez, because how can we not talk about what happened to, for some reason still, the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair? We got to work on that. So we got the Raw champion on SmackDown, the SmackDown champion on Raw. What are we doing with these belts? We can't have this for a year. Are we going to get new belts to get rid of the color coronation? Hopefully very soon. That has to be the only thing that makes sense to me at this point. But Bianca Belair was supposed to have a hometown celebration to celebrate 400 days as the women's champion of the modern era. And before she could really celebrate, we have Asuka coming out. And I knew that was trouble then. And then number two, Y'all messing my girl's theme song again. I don't like it. Leave her song alone. So she comes out, and I knew she was on some shit. 
So she was like, I'm going to shake your hand. I want to congratulate you. Job well done. Bianca falls to the okie doke. And next thing you know, she is misted. I mean, misted by Oscar. Just blue mist all over Bianca Belair. And Bianca, I got to say, a little bit overselling. She was flipping. She was flopping. She was screaming. She was just doing the most, selling this mist attack, which I appreciate. But it was a wee bit hammy for me. But she sold it well. And Oscar scurries away. And I guess reignited this feud from WrestleMania with Oscar fully aligned as a heel. But I do wonder, Scott, do you sense possibly maybe what happened in Puerto Rico with the fans playfully turning on Bianca Belair? Could they do the same here? And Oscar is very popular. She's beloved. Can she sell a heel turn? I don't know. But it's creating that dynamic of Bianca Belair possibly being booed at Night of Champions if this is going to be the go-to match Saudi Arabia in two weeks' time? First of all, a couple things. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you what WWE not going to do. All right, And what they're not going to do is try to make an insult out of my girl, out of the queen herself, Queen B. And no, I ain't talking about Beyonce. I'm talking about Queen B, Bianca. Cause what, what? Listen, man, this is your top one. This is the top woman on your roster. This is your top female right here and, and arguably one of your top wrestlers, period, on your entire brand. You need to treat her like that. Now, as far as the story and what we're doing, I'm not convinced Asuka did turn heel. I'm not convinced she did because the story is laid out perfectly for WWE right now. You kind of saw it when she was getting booed and they turned on her and uh, had backlash with EO Sky. I fully expect the crowd to be 100% behind Asuka in this next match. And if they do, they would be really smart to let Bianca feed into it, get frustrated, show a little frustration during the match, you know, try to get them fired up. They don't get fired up. She kind of looks bewildered, you know, and then, and then maybe she does something a little underhanded, you know, maybe she pulls some tights, maybe she pulls the referee, maybe she does something like that. And then she cuts that promo the next week or, you know, after the match, she shakes her hand like, all right, it's cool. And she gives Asuka a serious beatdown. She's like, oh, this is what y'all wanted, right? Y'all wanted this. Y'all wanted to boo me. Y'all wanted to boo me. Well, let me give you a reason to boo me. I think the story is right there for, for Bianca to turn heel because that's what she she needs something to freshen her up anyway. So I hope that that is where they're going and that's the story they're telling because I'm not convinced Asuka did turn heel. Hmm. I like the way you're thinking, Scott. I would love a Bianca Hill turn, honestly. I think it's time. Love did an NXT. I think she can elevate it now in the year 2023. I think it might be time to pull that trigger to make her into what she was a few years ago in NXT, who I love, by the way, but I think she can elevate even more now. And that is definitely a possibility. And I do sense Asuka being cheered a lot whenever they do have their rematch for the Raw Women's Championship. That should be the SmackDown Women's Championship or be the Women's World Championship, damn it. Just change the whole damn thing. Leave the colors at home, Paul. But your thoughts as you requested this topic of Bianca Belair getting misted and embarrassed in her hometown because hometown heroes, they don't always get their hometown glory. You know, I I hadn't even thought of what Scott laid out there. And that is, I mean, if they, if they do that, then that salvages this because otherwise... I mean, I was, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I mean, they've done this before when they go to Knoxville, you know, they, you know, just give Bianca her flowers, um, you know, just celebrate her, you know, record setting title run and, you know, maybe, you know, have Mayor 
Mayor Glenn out there and give her the key to the city or something and everyone cheers and you go home happy. But then, you know, Oscar comes out and she's being all nice. And it's like, wait a minute. We saw her turn on Bianca. I was agreeing that, yeah, you know, Oscar didn't have a turn heel because she turned heel like two weeks before WrestleMania. So this was like just an extension of what we already saw. And it was, did Bianca just forget about all that? And and then she gets duped again. Or again, is it a setup for, you know, the fact that Bianca is just going to get frustrated and, and, you know, be turned on the fans really because they're cheering for, you know, for um, EO sky and for Oscar. Um, and, you know, and if that's the case, then yeah, I could, I could see that working. I didn't like the celebration segment when they went backstage and Bianca was basically, you know, I compared her to like a five-year-old who, you know, like got like water spilled on her and she's like flailing around and my eyes, my eyes and like just screaming. I'm like, what am I watching? Like, this is, this is so bad. But if she ends up turning heel, then, you know, I can almost excuse it. But if she comes out and she's just the EST and she's the baby face again, it's like, what the hell did we just see? Um, so I, I really, really hope that uh, that Scott picked up on something that I didn't see because um, I was just I was just baffled. And, and it just I thought, man, this was like a total Vince McMahon segment to humiliate someone in their hometown. That is his trope. Because even the legends recently, when they return home to their hometown to have a reunion, they don't get embarrassed anymore. But you see this on Friday. Yeah, this is a Vince thing. But hopefully it leads to something a bit more meaningful with depth. And maybe he'll turn down the road for Bianca Belle, which I think is needed at this point to kind of beat what could be coming around the pike in terms of fan reactions. As we move on to our main event of SmackDown involving Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles, it felt like Impact Wrestling from 10 years ago the main eventing SmackDown. And this was a good match, but once again, all I could see was Bobby Lashley's head being bloody. This entire match, it was just a lot. And they did not clean him up, and it was a lot to endure. It was all right. It was kind of a workaround match. They both went back and forth a bit, went to break, immediately came back. It was just basic wrestling by both guys. Good moments here and there. Bobby went into the ring post at one point, showed the first which aggravated the head injury even more. And then Styles just lands a phenomenal forearm for the win, and he will face Seth Rollins for the vacant, soon-to-be-crowned, soon-to-be-newly-endowned as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, the consolation prize. Congrats to AJ. I think him and Seth Rollins will have a very good match, had a very great match a few years ago at Money in the Bank, and I expect this to be very good as well. I can't think of two better guys to fight over a championship. You're trying to give some legitimacy to, some clout to, some love to, some all here for it. So, Paul, your take on the main event, Bobby's head injury, and AJ Styles coming out on top. Um, I... Yeah, I, I thought again it was like you. I thought you described it well. It was it was there. It was a it was a good match. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good as the opening three way. Maybe a little bit better than the second three way. Um, you know the 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 blood with Bobby was compelling. Um, it did set up a match. You know between AJ and Seth. They haven't they've wrestled a few times, but I think they've only had four singles matches in in wwe and i'm not even sure if they were all televised so um i and they've all been great so i i'm sure this will be no exception and um you know and and you've got a guy 
you know, I hadn't even really considered the idea of AJ winning this thing, but it would give some legitimacy to the title in the sense that I don't think Roman has ever beaten AJ. So, you know, at least you're not giving the title to somebody that, you know, Roman's already beat. So, you know, I, I think, I honestly think like, I probably most people are going to expect Seth to win, but I almost think you have to have AJ win because that is the only way that this title even appears to be legitimate. Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good ending to a good show um, and not, not great. I think both of these guys would have a better match if it was on pay-per-view and if they hadn't both wrestled earlier in the show already. Uh, but, uh, you know, and again, I do like the flashback to TNA. I definitely thought of that as well, watching it. Um, and, uh, but, but again, both these guys, I, I believe are better than they were when they were in TNA. So, um, they're, they're definitely capable of more, but, uh, I was, I was pretty happy. Yeah, it was all right for what they did and the right person won and it was just kind of there. It was a fine way to end the show, but nothing special because I know they can do better than what they did if they, if they had more time, a lot of crunch time on this show due to two triple threats, a couple of championship matches. It was a lot to get through. But Scott, your take on this main event between Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. AJ comes out on top, but all I could see was Bobby's bloody head. Didn't, wasn't happy about it. Um, don't like Bobby Lashley just taking losses on, on TV for really no good reason. Don't like that. Um, I No real good reason for it. I mean, no reason for him to even win the triple threat then because he didn't have to take the loss there. So why does Bobby Lashley need to take a pinfall loss to AJ Styles? I get it. AJ's a legend, all-time great, but it, what what has he done for me recently to for me to believe that he should be coming back whooping up on Bobby Lashley? Sorry. Just not not here for that. Don't didn't like that. Don't like the call. I would have I would have much rather Austin Theory pin Sheamus or Sheamus. Lashley just didn't need to be involved in any type of finish and didn't need to be pinned. Um, with that out the way, the match with Seth and AJ would be good. Uh, to be to uh, Paul's point, R- Roman didn't beat Rollins. Rollins actually beat Roman by DQ. Oh, you're right. So. Rollins winning would work and Rollins could actually have a claim to kind of being like, my title is just as important as yours because you haven't beat me. You didn't beat me. You lost your cool because I got in your head. You didn't beat me. So there is something there. Um, I, I think, and, and not to say that you're wrong about the AJ thing, because I think that would be a nice swerve. Nobody would see that coming. I also think Rollins versus Lashley would be a bigger match, but um yeah, I'm fully expecting Rollins to win and really kind of play some head games with Roman anytime they interact at some of these PLEs. I would love it because he, that was an ODQ at the Royal Rumble. That made me so mad because it was such a great match at the Rumble last year. The show peaked at that moment, not going to lie, for everybody that year. But yeah, Seth winning that championship and lording it over Roman Reigns' head saying, hey, I'm a champ. You never beat me. And that might be the catalyst of Roman looking at that belt lovingly saying, let me go through that wormhole. Let me go through that portal and get that belt. 
while you're dangling in my face. So that is a good possibility. The history is right there. And I will agree that Lashley losing, it didn't sit with me either because like this guy's amazing and the losses should mean something. I get it in this case, but Lashley and Rollins have had great matches as well. Could have had a great one in Saudi Arabia for this championship. But Styles and AJ, they'll come through, deliver a very good match and I will be highly entertained. Either guy it will be a great first champion to add some legitimacy and some clout to this belt, which is sorely needed right now. Cause right now it is viewed as a consolation prize. I want the narrative to die, but it's going to take a lot of work when you got Roman Reigns carrying belts, he's not defending and he wants to tag team titles on top of it. It's a lot. So they got to make this belt mean something on Monday Night Raw. And hopefully that win goes to Seth Rollins in two weeks' time as we put a bow on SmackDown. And it's now time for us to pick our match of the week, the match that really set the tone across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, perhaps main event and level up. So, Paul, your pick for the best damn match you saw from WWE television this week. Uh, it was actually the very first match that I saw all week, which was uh, Finn Balor, Shinsuke, and uh, Seth Rollins in the Raw opener. I thought it was uh, I thought it was great for all the reasons we talked about earlier. And um, just one thing I wanted to add: I, I looked it up while you guys were talking, and the last time AJ and Roman had a singles match was uh, almost seven years ago. So it, it's been it's been a minute. Um, and, and actually, ironically enough, the last time AJ and Roman were in the ring together at the same time, they teamed up with Seth Rollins and took on Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre on, uh, on an episode of raw in uh, 2019, just after a draft. So interesting history there. Yes. And a great match by the way, too. So great history involving Reigns and AJ and I just love it. I dig it so much. So Paul, you're a great pick for match of the week. So, Scott, your turn now. What is your favorite match you saw from WWE television this week? Um, do you know, I it was actually from my fact. Well, the best match was probably uh, the triple threat, but I will go with something different just to throw something else out there. Um, this is usually where where Paul Fontaine comes in because uh, you know you're you're Ooh. you're watching everything. You literally watch all so much more wrestling than I do. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Akira Tozawa versus Nathan Frazier. That was a uh, a very enjoyable match. Where was that? I haven't I haven't seen it. WWE main event. Oh, okay, I'll, yeah, I, I haven't watched main event. I'm looking forward to that now. So that that was a, that was a nice little surprise match. Ever since I saw the the Ziggler uh, Ziggler Tyler Bate match, I think it was last week or the week before i just been kind of tuning in going back in the backlogs and there's some there's some pretty decent stuff on main event so this is a, a nice little nice little match to go out of your way and check out heard good things about it as well and also in the main event trope from last week there was a really good dana brooke and piper nevin match and unfortunately for Dana Brooke, got her on TV. Say that again. Got, say that again. Let me say it again. It was <laughs> Dana Brooke and Piper Nevin. They had a really good match. I haven't Shock. seen that one yet either. You, it's next up on my list, actually, to, of stuff to watch. It is actually really good. And unfortunately for Dana, she got scradooshed by <laughs> Rhea Ripley. Scradooshed. <laughs> she did. She got scradooshed. She got squashed. Did you give Dana Brooke a chance was trending on, on Monday? 
<laughs> oh lord i don't know about all that now <laughs> listen she had a good main event match against piper never they did put in work i'm not gonna lie check it out i would have picked that match as a candidate last week if we was doing regular shows but yeah peak it it was really good unfortunately dana got scradooshed by rhea ripley yeah i like that don't just scradooshed yeah, I, I do like that you need to make that a regular <laughs> For let's say Baron Corbin got scradooshed by Cameron there Grimes on SmackDown. Oh my a very god, enjoyable one! <laughs> a very enjoyable scradoosh. Cave in, perfect, love it. Poor Baron Corbin, poor baby. That was not my match of the week, but I'm gonna say it's also going to be for me. I'm, I'm gonna agree with Paul. It was a triple threat match involving Shisuke Nakamura, Damian Priest, Seth Rollins, at the tone beautifully for this tournament oh, on I Monday Night Raw. Balor, my bad. Thank you for correcting me and not not making me look bad. You know what? I didn't even notice, dude. Okay. I'll let you flow. It's late. It's all good. It's all love. I know what you meant. Yeah. Giving proper credits. But yeah, that was the best match from Monday Night Raw this week for me across all of television. Really good work by all three guys. And that set the tone for the tournament beautifully as it will culminate at Night of Champions. Two weeks. Styles, Rollins, WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And with that, it's time to say adieu to this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I want to thank my co-captain, Scott Young, perkier than usual because the Lakers are in the finals of the Western Conference. Good for you, I suppose. And Paul Fontaine staying up past grampy hours with us. God bless you, sir. We wore you out, but you endured for us and our craziness. Bless you, sir. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for the uh, for the invite. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, as I always do. You know, it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. It's especially a pleasure when you, you're a member of the King's Guard and, and long live the King. Uh, you know, really looking forward to the next few weeks. Feel very confident Darren and comfortable. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> I'm a big Corbin fan, too. I don't know how I feel about what's going on with that either, but we'll save that for another week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'm looking forward to see what goes on next week. And, uh, yeah, go Lakers all day. Oh, God. He's going to be intolerable for the next two weeks. It might be the next month if they really, really hey, deep. Don't let them get to the finals. They'll win. They'll win. I'm not even going to bullshit. They'll win don't let them get to the finals because you want to talk about unbearable i am going to be, you think paul paul gonna, paul ain't gonna be the only one blocking me i am going to be insufferable <laughs> if lebron wins another title i'm only gonna block you if you uh throw flowers rick steiner's way talk about this <laughs> You notice I only mentioned Scotty on the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you notice I only mentioned Scotty on the show. <laughs> I will quit this show if the Lakers win the finals. No, 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 so I can't Aww. have you quit because then I'm going to get fired. Well, you know They're not going to keep me and not you. <laughs> They're not going to let you go and keep me. She's got the best voice on Fight right. Media. Yeah, you can't quit because I'm going to get fired. Damn it. I don't want you jobless, so I guess I'll stay, but I'll protest under duress if they win and I have to endure all this shit, but you endured the parade for the Warriors last year, so I guess I do the same for you. Boo. Hiss. Damn it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I have to keep Scott employed. <laughs> I can't quit the show. 
Uh, Hashtag save Scott Young. Save his job. Save Save Scott's job. SSJ. He could survive. He has a great voice. He can survive. He's good. Listen, I'm good, but I'm not Keela Cash. (laughs) Let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to have the conversation with Gigi. That's going to be the conversation with Gigi. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to keep Scott and let go of Keela Cash. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. That's exactly how that conversation is going to go. I am truly humbled by those kind words. I am. I- but Scott could do this on his own if I quit. Keela, Keela I'm, I'm going to end it with this right here. That man has you as a soundbite. Oh, God. Thumbs okay. up. Thumbs down. Come on now. Come on now. What are we talking about, Keela? What are we talking about? There are levels to Stealing this. And you Sam got it. Callahan's catchphrase. Come on. He pulled that last receipt and got me good because I'm a soundbite. Thanks a lot, dude. Thanks a lot. So that's how we end the show this week. (laughs) Oh, God. How do you tolerate us every single week? I don't know. But thank you for joining us nonetheless. Our crazy selves here got you through another crazy week in the worlds of WWE between SmackDown and NXT Raw level up main event. So much more. We'll be back next week as we inch closer to Night of Champions going down in two weeks time in Saudi Arabia for Perky Scott Young. Cannot believe you did that at the end of the show. And Paul Fontaine, Grandpa Des. I'm Keela Cash. And that's a wrap for all things WWE. Take care. Uh, bye-bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 